The Nationals are back home, and Walters is the place to be. Swing by before the game for a cold one, or come afterwards to catch late-night NBA playoffs. Head over to waltersdc.com slash reservations to secure your reservation for this week. Walters is a great option, not only during Nats games, but also to watch Euro 2020 matches. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Castro at second. Robles at first. No outs. 2-1 Giants. The pitch. Swinging a high drive right center field. This is playable. Drifting back is Slater near the track. He'll make the catch. Both runners tag. The throw in towards second. And Robles eludes the tag but overslides the bag. Is running toward third. He's got nowhere to go. He is tagged out. And Victor Robles has cost the Nationals big time on the base pass. Trying to go from first to second. He overslides the bag. And so it turns into a double play. Castro's at third, but now two outs in the inning. And it's up to Trey Turner. And welcome to Nats Chat for Sunday, June 13th, 2021, part two. Along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of BassInSports.com, I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The Nationals split a doubleheader with the National League leading San Francisco Giants in Nationals Park on Saturday. The focus of this installment of the podcast is game two, the loss, a 2-1, eight-inning loss on Saturday night. Remember, eight innings means extra innings when you're playing uh, seven-inning games. Thankfully, the Nationals are no longer winless in seven-inning games this season. The game won victory. The doubleheader improved the Nats to one and five in seven-inning games. But the Nats now are one and six in seven-inning games in no small part because of a major base-running blunder by Victor Robles in the bottom of the eighth inning. Now, this is not the only reason the Nats lost the game. Let's be clear about that. But this certainly stands out. Robles gets hit by a pitch because that's what he does in the bottom of the eighth, then inexplicably tries tagging up from first to second with a runner on second on a first pitch fly up by Josh Bell, gets tagged out in a rundown between second and third for a killer of a double play. Just a brutal base running blunder. This is the toot plan of maybe all toot plans for the Nationals so far this season. Davey Martinez in his postgame press conference calling Robles' decision to try to tag a poor and not a very smart decision. I thought it was a poor right there. I mean, that's not a very smart decision. Uh, you know, we had top of the order coming up. Man, our first and third. You know, just let the game play out. If the Nationals are a better offensive team, this isn't that big of a deal. But because the Nationals are a putrid offensive team, this is a very big deal. And also because Robles has done this kind of thing before, it stands out big time. That was a bad moment 
Yeah, I mean, put this one on the list of the most agonizing moments of a season that has had way too many agonizing moments already. But as you said, because the offense has been so bad, this is yet another example of them trying to do too much, trying to make something happen that's not there. And you get it. You understand why they are feeling that way. But it's the last thing that you should be doing is to try to force the issue and make something happen that's not available to you. And I thought it was quite telling that Davey Martinez, who doesn't always come out quite as harsh in his post games when discussing a play like that, he didn't hide it. He didn't try to make an excuse for it. He said it was a bad decision because of the situation. You have to know that if you just stay on first base, you now have first and third with one out. That's now the tying run on third. You have Trey Turner coming up and a fly ball will tie the game. And then if even Trey doesn't get the job done, you have two outs and you have Juan Soto coming up. These are your two best hitters. Now, knowing this team, knowing the way this season has gone, do we like their chances of Turner and Soto getting the job done? Maybe not. Maybe they would still find a way not to get the run home. But to try to take that extra base in that spot, the risk reward was just not there. Just to try to get the winning run into scoring position, he essentially took the bat out of Juan Soto's hand in the end. And... It was just the latest in a long line of these for Victor Robles. And and you just wonder, you know, you can talk to him all the time about it, but when does he learn? He's been here long enough. These are not rookie mistakes. or He shouldn't be allowed to be making rookie mistakes. He's not a rookie anymore. And you just wonder, at what point does the message get through to him that you, you can't do that kind of stuff? I know. And I know it will be said, well, you know, the team is bad offensively. Guys are trying to compensate for that. I, I don't necessarily buy that with this Robles thing because he's been guilty of this before. This is not new for Victor Robles. You know, this is kind of who he has been. So I don't necessarily just write this off as being a function of, well, he's trying to do too much because the offense isn't very good. No, I think this is kind of what Robles has been as a base runner. And it's a problem. We put up a poll uh, via Twitter, at Nats underscore Chad. Should Robles be benched on Sunday for this base running blunder in the bottom of the eighth on Saturday night? The votes continue to pour in as we're taping this installment of the Nats Chat podcast. 83% of you want Robles benched on Sunday. You want Davey to be a disciplinarian. We'll see if he does it, Mark. I'm not holding my breath. Now, look, Davey doesn't always start Robles, period. And we know Davey doesn't have a problem burying Robles in the lineup, even when things are going swimmingly with Victor. So maybe Robles doesn't play and has nothing to do with what happened. But I don't know. I, I have a hard time seeing Davey doing that with Victor on Sunday. What do you think will happen? I think some of our um, Twitter followers were in the heat of the moment there on that one, <laughs> maybe within a few minutes of the play being made and let their emotions get the best of them. I, I'm not I'm not faulting them for feeling that way. But I wonder how many of them, if they slept on it, would wake up Sunday morning, maybe have a different opinion. So they're facing Johnny Cueto, a right-hander. So that at least would lead to a better matchup with Stevenson. If they're facing a lefty, no chance. Robles would be starting no matter what. So maybe against the righty, you could do it. Like you said, there's an argument to do it even if not for this play that you could just say, hey, it's a day game after a night game, maybe a more favorable matchup for Stevenson anyways. But in the bigger picture here, Robles has to be their center fielder or close to their everyday center fielder. What's the alternative? Is Andrew Stevenson as the everyday center fielder really going to make this team better? Is that where they're going with this? They don't have alternatives there. And as has been the case with so many others who have struggled on this team, this is who they are. If they're going to win, it's going to have to be with these guys. And Victor Robles, let's not mince words here. He's having an awful season on the bases and at the plate 
where he has really produced almost nothing. You know, er, early on, we talked a lot. We complimented him for drawing his walks and getting on base. And we joke about maybe he should be leading off. But look at the overall numbers. They are awful. He is producing nothing. He still has zero home runs, 61 games into the season. He's not a super power hitter, but I mean, he can hit 15 to 20 homers. He has zero. And it's not like he's hitting wall scrapers or, you know, he's like just missing some. He is not connecting at all. So, I mean, he has been really bad. And yet, sure, you can bench him on Sunday, but in the big picture, he's going to have to be playing for them most of the time because they don't really have anyone else. Robles has been good defensively. There's no doubt he's been a disappointment offensively. His OPS on the season at 639, although that's still better than Sterling Castro, 602. But I digress. I digress. A terrible moment for Victor Robles late in that loss on Saturday night, but also a terrible performance for the Nationals offensively. Once again, the Nationals, despite the Giants going with a bullpen game, okay, so this is not Kevin Gaussman starting. This was not, you know, peak Madison Bumgarner starting or anything like that. The Giants worked the Nats in this game on Saturday night. The Nats finished the game with one run on four hits, which were a double and three singles, one walk. I tell you, the Nats aren't drawing any walks these days. Soto is basically the only guy who draws walks with any kind of consistency. One for six with the Nats with runners in scoring position. And you had some awful innings late in the game. That bottom of the six was a joke. The Nats numbers one through three batters, Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Ryan Zimmerman looked feeble, looked completely incompetent in that inning. And we know they're not incompetent, but they looked incompetent in that inning. A one, two, three Nats bottom of the six against the Giants submarining reliever Tyler Rogers struck out Soto, struck out Zimmerman, each on four pitches. I mean, just awful plate appearances. I know the strike three on Soto was maybe a bit low, a bit outside the zone, but still, that was a bad job by the Nats lineup in that inning. And then the next inning, the bottom of the seventh, the Nats numbers four through six batters, Kyle Swarber, Josh Harrison, and Jan Gomes all strike out a one, two, three Nationals bottom of the seventh against Giants reliever Jake McGee. Mark, in this game two loss on Saturday night, the Nats numbers one through four batters, Turner, Soto, Zimmerman, and Schwarber, a combined 0 for 13 with no walks and four strikeouts. Not good. No, not good. And you mentioned the lack of walks. That has been a consistent theme really, this whole year. And I know Davey's been talking about, well, you want to be aggressive early in the count and, and hunt fastballs early on. Well, that's fine. But if you're not getting those, you got to work the count a little bit and try to get on base any way you can because they're just not going to be able to string together hits. It's going to have to involve some free passes along the way. And they are not doing that. And on a uh, night when you know, your four guys at the top aren't doing it, well, we know the bottom half of the lineup isn't really going to do it, although they did in the eighth. Starling Castro Maybe they need to treat every game for him as though he's leading off extra innings with the automatic runner in scoring position because this is now twice that he's ripped a ball off the wall to drive in a run, leading off an extra inning. We need to like change the mindset there with him and make him think that every time he comes up to bat, that is the situation. I don't know why that is, but for some reason, he's really good at that. That was a good hit. I'll give him credit. Lead off RBI double in the bottom of the eighth inning. Also, it was a good game for Josh Harrison. We touched on this in the previous installment of the Nats Chat podcast, but Harrison on Saturday night, one for two with a double and a walk. And how about the walk? A one-out, 10-pitch walk in the bottom of the second. He also had a two-out double in the uh, bottom of the fourth inning. So good to see those things. But clearly, this was another largely impotent performance by a Nationals offense that just cannot produce with any kind of consistency this season. And so, yes, the Robles Tootblan was a bad moment, a brutal moment. He deserves a lot of criticism for that. But at the end of the day, 
you know, you put forth what the Nats put forth, four hits, you finish with what, two doubles, two singles. It's not good enough. It's, it's, it's not good. This offense is terrible. And you, we saw that once again over the course of this doubleheader. You know, the offense wasn't, it hasn't been good. You look back at like so many of the wins this season, the offense hasn't gotten the job done. Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. It's great to be in the midst of baseball season. Nothing like watching a game. Great weather, cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you have never bet on baseball before, now is the perfect time to give that a shot. FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free as you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. It's got great odds on all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code CHAT to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. Promo code chat. Games on Sunday afternoon include Seattle at Cleveland at 110. We will have Bieber Fever, Shane Bieber, starting for the Indians, number one in the majors with 122 strikeouts. We ride the tribe on Sunday afternoon. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109 with it, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. No balls, two strikes, Rodriguez sets. Long hold, the kick in the pitch. Swing and a miss, struck him out with a fastball to the inside at 96 miles an hour. Well, that was impressive, Jeffrey Rodriguez. Something that was good and was admirable, if nothing else, was the start that Jeffrey Rodriguez ended up giving the Nats in this Game 2 doubleheader loss on Saturday night. So the Nats on Saturday making a flurry of roster moves, among them the selecting of the contract of Jeffrey Rodriguez from AAA Rochester. Yes, Jeffrey Rodriguez, in case you don't know, is back in the organization, re-signed by the Nats this past December to a minor league deal. This is a guy who was signed by the Nats as an amateur free agent all the way back in January 2012, pitched for the Nats at the major league level in 2018, then was traded by the Nats to Cleveland in the Jan Gomes deal of November 2018. Rodriguez, in, in another sign of the Nats, not exactly oozing pitching depth, gets called upon to make this spot start on Saturday night. And he actually ends up doing a pretty effective job. Now, was he lights out? No. But at the end of the day, four scoreless innings. I mean, any Nationals fan would have signed up for that. Two strikeouts versus one hit, which was a double. He was kind of all over the place. He issued three walks, issued a wild pitch. If you look at the breakdown of his pitches, 60 total pitches, just 32 strikes. 32 strikes versus 28 balls. It's not the way it's supposed to work. But four scoreless innings, uh, that's a win in, in so many ways from a standpoint of like what could have been versus what ended up being. Yeah, that was best case scenario. I mean, really, I, I think they went in and said, hey, maybe he gives us three innings, gives us a chance, and we'll go on to the rest of the bullpen. And I think that's the reason they picked him to start this game. You know, this was Joe Ross's game, and they pushed him back to Sunday. The thinking being Joe Ross as a major league starter maybe save him for a nine-inning game because maybe he gives you five or six innings, take some pressure off the bullpen. Whereas this, in a seven-inning game, you didn't really need that much from Rodriguez, especially when in game one, Fetty went five, you went Finnegan in hand, that was it. Like they, all things considered, the bullpen was fairly fresh for this game. So give him three, he winds up giving him four scoreless. Absolutely. I mean, best case scenario. Now, what you saw from him is exactly why he'll always keep getting chances and why he'll always probably disappoint you because he's got stuff and he's a pretty intimidating presence, all arms and legs, six foot six on the mound. But the consistency is not there. And it's the mechanics are not there when you're trying to coordinate that body and throw every pitch the same way and keep your mechanics the same on every pitch. It's really hard to do. It's why there aren't that many really tall, lanky pitchers. Remember Daniel Cabrera, former Oriole, eventually national. He was kind of like that too, where he was so tall and just couldn't keep all his parts moving in sync together. And his mechanics were off. And that's why he could, you know, run into those bouts of just throwing the ball anywhere. So it's maybe a lot to ask of Jeffrey Rodriguez in the long run to actually thrive in a role like this. But good for him for stepping up in the spot. I don't know what the future holds for them. If they'll keep him around, if they'll send him back down, you know, maybe he goes in the bullpen. I don't know. But good for him because he did what they needed him to do. He gave them a chance. And the rest of the bullpen gave them a chance, too. And it's just another one of these games that you said in this series, okay, three games in the series in which their pitching has been a mess. Max Scherzer 
last 12 pitches on Friday night. They have to ask the bullpen to go eight and two-thirds. Eric Fetty off the COVID list gives him five innings in the opener. Then you're starting Jeffrey Rodriguez in the finale. All that considered, their pitching staff gave up three runs in the last three games, and one of those was an inherited runner, an automatic runner, in extra innings. They only actually allowed two runs of their own making to score. And yet, the Nationals went one and two in these games. This is all on the offense, and it is agonizing that these pitching performances are going to waste like that. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the Giants don't scare you offensively. The the Giants are doing what they're doing with run prevention. Their pitching has been very good. Their defense has been quite good. The Giants came into this series number one in the majors in terms of pitching staff ground ball percentage. So the Giants are excellent and inducing the ground ball. So this is a bad matchup going into the series. A, A Giants pitching staff that knows how to work offenses against an offense that doesn't know how to work anything uh, so far this year. And so far, that's been the case. The Nationals offense has, has basically done nothing throughout this series. Yeah, it's interesting with Jeffrey Rodriguez. He has a little bit of Henry Rodriguez in him. <laughs> he, has a, he has a hard time finding the strike zone at times. But four scoreless innings, can't say enough good things about the overall output from Rodriguez. You take that and you run with it from an ad standpoint. With an ad's bullpen on Saturday night, so Davey does end up using five Nationals relievers because, remember, this went into extra innings, which in this case was eight innings for a seven-inning game. The five relievers combined to allow two runs, one earned, and four innings. And it was a mixed bag. You know, you're going to get this when you continually have to lean on the pen like this. Kyle McGowan, perfect top of the fifth, two strikeouts. Tanner Rainey, scoreless top of the sixth, issued a walk, followed by a hit-by-pitch with one out, but was able to escape the inning unscathed. Then comes back-to-back guys pitching for the second time that day. Brad Hand does toss a scoreless top of the seventh. Nice job by him. But then the problems arise with Kyle Finnegan. Lead-off RBI single by the Maryland product, Lamont Wade, off Finnegan in the top of the eighth. For, by the way, what was the first hit for either team with a runner in scoring position in the series. I mean, the Giants certainly have not been slaying the baseball in this series from an offensive standpoint, but that was something else that Wade the Terp gets the first hit with a runner in scoring position in the series. Finnegan ultimately allows two runs, one earned on two singles, a walk, and a wild pitch. In a top of the eighth, that felt like it took about four hours. But then Ryan Harper comes in, and actually does a really good job in a fireman role. Comes into the game, top of the eighth, bases loaded, one out, Nats are down 2 nothing. retires the two batters he faces. That eighth inning actually could have been a lot worse. That's a good job by Harper to put out that fire. It was a huge job by him to get out of it. There, there was a crazy inning. I mean, even while Finnegan was still in, you had that little gr- slow roller to first, and Zimmerman comes charging in and makes the throw and then does the somersault. You had another grounder to third to get the out of the plate. Just a lot of weak contact, and they, they got through it. So, I mean, yeah, they minimized the damage there. And it just it left me wondering, you know, Finnegan pitching both ends of the doubleheader. He threw 16 pitches in the first game, 26 in the second game. That's 42 total pitches. And I just, you know, so Harper hadn't got used. Wander Suero didn't appear in either game. Wander Suero, the guy who pitches in every game. He warmed up, but he didn't appear in either game. Sam Clay didn't appear, and then the, the kid they called up, Machado, didn't appear in the game either. That, that would have been a lot to ask of him to pitch in this game. But I just wonder if, I know it's extra innings, it's scoreless, you're trying to do everything you can to, to win this game, but that if a, a more rested Harper or Suero for the eighth inning, instead of Finnegan making his second appearance of the day, would actually be better. I get that you want to use who you view as your best high-leverage guys, and, and right now, I guess he views Finnegan that way, but... Sometimes just the more rested arm might be better than the better arm who's not rested. 
The Nats are desperate for wins. I, I think that is clearly what is being communicated by Davey with his bullpen usage. I think it's why Daniel Hudson is on the 10-day injured list now. The Nats are desperate for wins. And from that standpoint, I don't blame Davey for doing this, trying to use his best guys. Now, you know, are the guys he's using ultimately the best guys? We don't know. And, and clearly, you have to always weigh that of, yeah, you may look at a guy as being a good guy, but is an 80% version of that guy, is a fatigued version of that guy still a good guy to be using? We don't know. But yeah, I, I think definitely. I mean, th- this has reeked of, we got to go all out. I mean, when's the last time a team used two different li- relievers twice in the same day? Even with these seven-inning doubleheaders, you don't see that a lot. I don't recall seeing that much last season with these seven-inning doubleheaders with the Nationals, and yet you had that on display on Saturday. Here, here's what's safe to say. Daniel Hudson will not be the last Nationals reliever placed on the 10-day IL this season, okay? Uh, there could be more coming, and I wouldn't be stunned if Brad Hand ends up being one of those guys. We'll see. That Zimmerman defensive play, by the way, what a job. Uh, that was an awesome play. The 3-2 pitch to Talkman, swinging a dribbler up the first baseline. Zimmerman barehand, underhands to the home plate area, and Gomes makes the catch with his foot on the bag. For the out as Zimmerman goes tumbling toward home plate. Terrific charging, barehanded scoop and throw to get Donovan Solano added home on the slow roller off the bat of Mike Tockman with the bases loaded. Nobody out. Another run-saving play by Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, every time he makes one of these dives, you sort of hold your breath because, you know, knowing the way it's gone for him, you're like, is he going to get up? Is he now going to miss the next four weeks? Like, what's going to happen? But man, the athleticism, the wherewithal, you know, sort of those third base instincts taking over and him making that play. That was a really impressive job by Zimmerman in that spot. He still got it. You know, he's still got it. And as long as he can keep his body healthy, he's going to contribute in so many different ways. And it, I, I'm laughing because there was the Josh Bell play in the first game at first base yeah. on, on what should be like a routine 3-1 ground out. And it became an adventure. He got the out. And you compare that with when Zim makes one of these really athletic plays. And there's just no comparison between the two. But you know, good for him. He's still got it. And he is still really valuable to this team. All right, game four, Sunday afternoon at 105, Joe Ross versus Johnny Cueto. Now, Cueto, and I'm sure many people listening know this already, he's not the Johnny Cueto he used to be. Uh, Cueto's actually been a pretty bad pitcher for a few years now. He's been okay so far this year, ERA plus a 104 over nine starts. But Johnny Cueto is another one of these guys who got signed to a big money contract who has not lived up to that deal, a six-year, 100 $30 million deal. This is the final season of that contract. One of the things that got the Giants in trouble and had the Giants as a bad team for a while were some awful contracts that San Francisco gave out. The Cueto contract was one of them. And I tell you what, we had, I thought, a pretty nice crowd at Nationals Park on Saturday night. If we could serenade Cueto with the, you know, the Cueto, Cueto that like the Pirates fans did at PNC Park years ago in that National League wildcard game, that got to Cueto in that game. Uh, He could have all kinds of problems on Sunday. But Joe Ross will be the national starter in the latest installment of uh, Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal with Joe Ross. You don't know what to expect from Joe Ross when he starts. He's coming off what went down in a 5-2 loss at the Phillies uh, now two Saturdays ago, June 5th. That was that game in which he allowed four runs, all unearned in six innings. A a, a classic Joe Ross line where you're like, you're not sure how to feel about it. And that's how it is with Joe Ross. You're not really sure how to feel about it about Ross. Sometimes he looks bad. Sometimes he looks good. Sometimes he looks bad and good in the same start. Uh, But the Nats, they have this game on Sunday. Then they have a three-game set against the Pirates, and they do have an off day on Thursday. But with the way the bullpen continues to be leaned upon, 
boy, would it be nice if good Joe Ross shows up at least enough to where he can give you, say, six innings on Sunday. Well, and they may be in a spot where they just have to push him that far regardless, even if he's given up some runs. I don't, you know, we'll, we'll see what the state of the bullpen is when they all get here on Sunday. But, uh, you know, Brad Hand should not be available. Kyle Finnegan should not be available. Uh, let's see if there's another roster move coming. I think this may be a case where you just have to push Ross to 90, 100 pitches no matter what. We'll see. Uh, you know, Maybe he'll pitch well enough to earn it, or maybe something will happen and he'll have to get knocked out early. But um, you know, at some point, it's going to catch up to them, and they just have to get innings from their starters regardless. I know Davey's doing everything he can to try to win every game, but eventually you just have to let your starter go, I think. Uh, random question. Among the many roster moves the Nats made on Saturday was optioning Yadiel Hernandez to AAA Rochester. Was there a specific reason why Hernandez got optioned? So I think it's a couple things. One, obviously they needed another pitcher. That was the whole point that to get through at least this day, they needed a, a fresh arm. So they were going to have to drop somebody from their bench. And as we've talked about before with Yadiel, he doesn't play center field. So they needed Stevenson to stay on the bench, and he started one of the games as well, to be that you know backup for center field and, and bat off the bench. And Yadiel, look, he's done a nice job. He's not played, he hasn't started a game in forever. He's basically just pinch hitting. And his numbers actually haven't been as great here lately. Now, that's a hard thing to ask someone with that little experience to never play and just come up and bat once a night as a pinch hitter. So I think part of it too is let him go down there, let him actually start. And let him play for the next 10 days or however long it is until they can call him back up and get 40 at bats and then come back and maybe that'll help him in the long run. So we're going to see him again. It's not that. It was just kind of a roster crunch. Somebody needed to go down. He's the extraneous player because they have two outfielders and they couldn't really move anybody else. And because in the role that he's in right now, they had to prioritize defense, I guess, over offense in this case. But we will see him again, uh, I'm sure of it, before too long. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. By the way, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. Tim Shovers put out a gem of a tweet on Saturday night. The 27th man for the Nationals in this doubleheader on Saturday was a reliever, Andres Machado. So the Nationals had in their bullpen on Saturday, Andres Machado and Ryan Harper. And at one point in game two, Machado and Harper were warming up in the Nationals bullpen. And Tim tweeted, imagine reading this tweet in 2018. Yes, Harper and Machado were in the Nationals bullpen on Saturday. Just a different Harper and a different uh, Machado. Uh, also, email the podcast. We always love hearing from you guys. We've gotten lots of great comments and questions. Podcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, hit us up again, Podcast at gmail.com. And Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts remain available natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. <laughs>